There's no doubt in the Colony Fire Department that we're here to serve our citizens. And we are going to take risks to do that. And we're not going to kill a firefighter for a building. But by golly, we're, we're going to put firefighters on roofs. We're going to do an aggressive search. We're going to attack the fire when the conditions dictate to do so. And we're not going to apologize for that. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. Federal Resources Studio. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. My guest today has a new book out titled The Functional Fire Company, Positioning Small Groups for Success and Survival. It explains how to develop a culture of learning and training in your department. And it's working in the real world. His department has a record of retaining motivated firefighters, even though neighboring departments pay more. Some firefighters even take a pay cut to join his agency. Scott Thompson is a 35-year veteran of the fire service and chief of the Colony, Texas Fire Department. He's been a member of volunteer departments, as well as having worked for some of the fastest-growing and most progressive departments in Texas. Scott's been a classroom presenter and hands-on instructor at FDIC International since 2002. And Scott Thompson joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Your department is known for having a strong culture of training. How have you created it? Well, it starts with a a vision of success, Scott. And, And one of the things that I do daily is to communicate that vision. As the fire chief, I think it's important that I have a very clear vision of of what success looks like in the suburban fire department setting. And what we do is we incorporate that into our officer development, our training, even our daily interactions. And what it is, it's it's, it's kind of reinforcing the message of of what we want to be, what we want to represent, our philosophies on leadership and operations, and bringing that into our daily routines. This book is not theory. It's what you've actually done and what's working for you over there in Texas. Tell me about the kind of department you've developed. Well, we're three stations. When I came to the colony 10 years ago, uh, the economy was not doing well, and, and they kind of always referred to the colony as a hole in a donut. We're next to Frisco and Plano. Louisville and Carrollton, and and there's a lot of growth in those areas. So the colony was lagging uh, behind from a development phase. And what happened is, is is we started to have to solve problems through leadership and management and and not with money. Um, You know, it's it's pretty easy when you can throw money at things to, to come up with solutions. Well, we didn't have that option. So we had to dig in and try to figure out how to lead through this time. We were very fortunate that Warren Buffett, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, invested in our little city and built Nebraska Furniture Mart. 
and we kind of hit the economic development jackpot, and now things are going really well. So what we had was we had the foundation in place. We were, we were developing programs and people through leadership. And now that we have the financial assets to do things, it's, it's really allowing everything com- to come together and allowing this vision to build out and really come to fruition. Can you give me an example of a problem that a lot of places would have solved with money, but that you guys had to solve by thinking? Oh, yeah, I can I can give you several of them. Staffing, uh, number one, uh, we're, we're a pretty busy department and our calls were getting uh, busier. So uh, staffing was a challenge. We at one point hired what we called a floater or a rotation position. When we had people on leave, this person would move from shift to shift to shift and fill those slots. We started a paramedic-only program, and I think we're one of the only ones in Texas that's unique in our part of the area to where we're hiring paramedics only. We're asking them to own our ambulances, and we're not going to make them go through fire school. Uh, so there, that opened up an entirely new group of people for us to, to look at hiring. Some of our response model, we were, we were in Quint Concept Department when I got here, and we switched to the engine and truck deployment model with pre-arrival assignments, and that's worked very well for us. And what that allowed us to do is keep up with the growth and the call volume by really having a response-specific playbook to allow us to address those incidents. So those are just a few of the things that we did to, to make what we had work. Let's talk about that quaint situation. <laughs> How did that help? We were more efficient, and yes, we had more units. What we were able to do, and I, I listened to one of your podcasts that you did um, a couple shows back about riding assignments, it allowed us to be more efficient on the fire ground. In, in our system, it's not for everybody. And so we were able to specifically build a response model where everybody had a job. We could prepare those people for that job. They were able to build experience doing that job. And that resulted in us being more efficient, clearing up units quicker. We saw a reduction in fire loss. And we were able to build a training program and what we call a learning culture based on that deployment model. We weren't able to do that with the Quint concept because it was kind of everybody did everything and we never really knew what we were going to do till we pulled up in the front yard. <laughs> and in our system, that just didn't work well. And I think anybody in our organization that was here then and is here now will tell you it's it works great in our system. How many personnel did you have on board of Quint versus how many you need for an engine and truck company? Well, and you see, that's part of the problem. We we ran uh, three people on a Quint. Today, we run three people on our engines, and we have a five-person truck company, and we split up our truck uh, into an outside truck, an outside truck, and what we call our outside control position. So our staffing really didn't change our staffing numbers. What changed was how we utilized our staffing. And uh, what we call it is is we have these things that, our positions must address on every fire situation. And it's up to the experience of those firefighters and that company officer to decide what is needed to successfully address those problems that they're responsible for. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. 
But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. You like to use the phrase, let firefighters be firefighters. What do you mean by that? Well, if you think about when we go out and we hire people, we, we, we put them through an interview, we test them, uh, physical ability, and we're, we're, we're out looking for good firefighters. And then we bring them into the organization and we try to make them something else. And I'll give you an example. These fire chiefs that say we're an EMS department that goes to fires occasionally or fires are down. Okay, that's the reality that we live in. I understand that. But from a leadership perspective, that's demotivating to somebody who wants to be an elite level firefighter. So what we do, and and I've got science to back this up, is our culture supports firefighters being firefighters. Our number one priority is to be fire ready. And we say be prepared mentally, physically, mechanically, and procedurally for fire. And by doing that, our EMS, we provide advanced life support, transport, EMS. Our EMS has improved significantly. And we measure 29 emergency medical metrics every month. And our doctors will tell you we're delivering top-level service. So when you let firemen do the things that firemen do, firefighters do, everything else seems to get better. And I think that's the best way to explain it. We, We don't give them a lot of busy work. Uh, We say, here's what we want you to do. Be ready to go out and serve the public. Prepare to do that. And we'll position you as chief officers to give you an environment where you can be successful doing that. So they back up the full-time paramedics. Uh, Yes, they do. Everybody in our organization is a paramedic. We have paramedics only that are on the ambulance. And we send a fire truck like everybody else with an ambulance. So we have multiple paramedics. But yes, they do back them up, certainly. Right. But the guys on the ambulance are the ones who you might say, let paramedics be paramedics. Well, that's true. We haven't haven't coined that yet. I may steal that from you. But yeah, we'll we'll kind of do the same thing. Allow them to own the medical side. We still want our firefighter paramedics to stay proficient. But yes, let our paramedics be paramedics, let our firefighters be firefighters, and I believe that's how we deliver the best product to our citizens. You've got a positive environment over there. You have people who want to work there. As I mentioned, some people have taken a pay cut to work there. How do you maintain the positive environment over the long term? Well, you know, it's our company officers, it's our senior members, it's our battalion chiefs, and it's, it's what we started out talking about. Every day we talk about what success looks like, and then we work hard to achieve that. And I think the new generation of firefighters coming into the fire service, they have this, this picture in their head of what the fire service should look like. And I've interviewed hundreds of firemen. I've surveyed hundreds. And what we try to do is provide that environment so that they can come in and, and, what we're doing closely matches that image that they have in their head of what a firefighter should represent. And, and I, that, that to me, it's, it's, it's all the culture. It's all about the good traditions of the fire service. It's, you know, we're struggling with that us versus them. There's no doubt in the colony fire department that we're here to serve our citizens and we are going to take risks to do that. And we're not going to kill a firefighter for a building. 
But by golly, we're, we're going to put firefighters on roofs. We're going to do an aggressive search. We're going to attack the fire when the conditions dictate to do so. And we're not going to apologize for that. I can see why the leadership atmosphere is so popular. I think I think it's very uncommon for someone to sit here and actually say we want to give these recruits what they expect. Well, you know, firefighters are great. I love firefighters, and some of the best people I know are firefighters. And they're problem solvers. They're natural problem solvers. And if you put them in an environment where they can do that, use the things that, that are given to them to solve problems, they'll give it 100% and do it. And, and you got to weed out the ones that won't. I mean, you know, this isn't for everybody. And so we're pretty strict. We're not afraid to get rid of somebody during a probationary period if they're not willing to buy in and provide the level of service that we try to, to provide every day. Do you guys still hold that record of 10 years without losing an employee? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. To this day, uh, since, since I've been here, we have not had a single person leave other than termination and retirements to go to another organization. And the backside of that is we've had people come from bigger organizations, take a cut and pay, lose their seniority to come be a part of the team. And, and that is something that, that we try to hold on and embrace every day because we know it's going to change at some point. We can't sustain this forever. But as of today, that that statement is correct. That's remarkable. (laughs) So what drove you to write this book? You're giving away your secrets. You know, you may find that other people are going to start stealing your people. And if they do, that's great. That means that they're creating a culture better than ours, Scott. But I have two sons in the fire service. One is Arlington. One is with Dallas. So I have a vested interest there. And I've had a lot of people that have invested in me over the years, mentors and role models. And I feel an obligation to give back. So number one, so so this is this is me putting all the things, the observation, and there is some theory in here, and there's some philosophy. I'll be honest, but everything is based on what we actually do. But but I feel the fire service is at a Y in the road. Departments are going to have to pick one way or the other, and, and and you know without getting great detail, it's that whole us versus them. So I felt the need to put down the basics and essentials in many areas, and then let people agree or disagree, regardless of which position they take, that has value. And so this book is kind of a basics and essentials manual, very in-depth, that helps fire chiefs, existing fire chiefs, and future fire chiefs set up what I believe is, is an environment that fire companies can be successful in and survive. The book is The Functional Fire Company, Positioning Small Groups for Success and Survival. Chief Scott Thompson, thanks for talking with me today on Code 3. Scott, thanks for having me on, and thanks for what you're doing for the fire service. And we put more information about Scott's book on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash functional. Check it out. Now, here's your long-awaited trivia question. If you're lifting a piece of gear up to the roof of a building, what's the best knot to tie on the rope? I'll have the answer right after this. 
Ever notice that Scott always tells you that you can get a guest's book at our website, code3podcast.com? That's because we have links to order their books from Amazon on the episode's show notes pages. It makes it easy for you to get the books, and it helps support Code 3. When you buy Amazon through our website, we get a small cut too, and it doesn't cost you any more to order through us. Plus, there are other firefighter-related products there too. Take a look at Code3podcast.com. Here's the trivia answer. A clove hitch is the recommended knot to tie when you're lifting something up to a roof. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. What do you think of the show? I'd be happy to hear from you at my email, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening today. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com. Code 3.